Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today, Jay Harvey. Hello, Jim. Thank you so much for having me back. We're so glad to have you, Jay, anytime. And one thing I've always appreciated about you is the Jay Harvey I know lives a little bit on the edge. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because when I first met you, how many years ago has that been? About 20? Yep. Uh, you were a guy who was mostly about stand-up comedy. I mean, you could walk out on a stage and push people's envelope a little bit. That's true. I mean, as I think about the Jay Harvey of yore, mm-hmm. uh, you're a guy who helped people get out of their box. I mean, you could get me to laugh about things that I was afraid to say out loud, right? <laughs> that, and that's still true to some degree, but you're right. I, well, I, I'm, I'm not saying you've lost right, any of that right, gift for, uh, right. for wonder and laughter, but I'm just saying I, I love this about you, Jay, that yes. you have never felt confined to simply live within the confines of a narrow box. Uh, I, well put. On the other hand, I grew up in a world where I wanted to make sure everyone is happy. I always colored within the lines. You know, I wanted to be the teacher's favorite in every class so I didn't get in trouble. And for me, I've lived in a box. Mm-hmm. And you know, as I've grown older, sometimes I'm just a little bit more able to step out. Maybe I'm going to color past that line. I'm going to put a little orange out there in the border ah. of the page. And there's something liberating about that. Now, we might think, well, why would you want to have a radio program to encourage people to be a wild <laughs> hare? No. What I'm learning in the scripture is that if I really want to grow, if I really want to understand God and his call in my life, I have to get out of my box. I can't just always live in the same comfort zone. The predictable, the familiar, what is tried and true, all have value and could all be good. But I've learned with Jesus, he's always pushing me out of the box a little bit. And that's what we're talking about as we study the Acts of the Apostles, this fantastic history of the first century Christian church where people who had walked with Jesus and some who only came to believe in him after he had already ascended to heaven, how these men and women were by circumstance and I think divine appointment forced out of their box. That's what we're talking about. There are lessons from then that can help change us up now for the better. Stay with us. I know, Jay, that uh, you're a pastor, yes. and you have uh, a weekly gig, as I have certainly understood in my life. Every week, you are called upon to teach others. Yes. And, uh, you know, you have to learn when you're a teacher, and I know that along the way, you've learned a lot. You mm-hmm. certainly know about the great characters of Scripture. We've talked already in the series about someone like Peter, mm-hmm. who had a dramatic intersection with Jesus that changed his life forever, and Peter changed our world forever. There's another character, though, that, who stands really tall in the Acts of the Apostles and across all of history. His name is Paul. Right. And the Apostle Paul is a little different from Peter in that Paul never followed Jesus when Jesus actually walked in this world in the flesh. Paul was, was a later convert. And as we know, Paul actually persecuted those like Peter who followed Jesus. Mm-hmm. And as Jesus left this world, and we believe he's gone to the right hand of the Father, we wait for his return. But in this interim, the Holy Spirit fell on the church, and that's the Acts of the Apostles story, and I believe it's still our story. Mm-hmm. And Paul came into view during this epoch. And so one thing I like about Paul is that his journey is actually a lot like mine. In other words, he didn't have a chance to shake the hand of Jesus. He, he didn't have a chance to sit down and have some broiled fish with Jesus by the seashore of Galilee. No, Paul had to have a meetup with Jesus on the road to Damascus when he was working wickedness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. I think most of us can understand that Jesus meets us where we are, as we are in our brokenness and sometimes our mess ups. 
And this causes him to get out of his box. He has to now embrace a whole other way of thinking. But even after he does that, Jesus is stretching him, and he's constantly being pulled out of his comfort zone, out of the norms, out of what he was raised to believe was the only way. And that brings us to Acts chapter 13, where there's an illustration of how Paul has to not only follow Jesus and, and please Jesus, and he sings the songs, and he studies the scripture, and he's trying to be a good guy, He's also going to be challenged to change his relationships, to expand the net of community that he will interact with, to be able to make friends with people he once despised. This is Acts chapter 13, beginning with verse 44. And uh, I'm going to ask you, Jay, to start us down the road. Take us down to verse 49. I'll pick up the close. Sure. My pleasure. Uh, Starting off verse 44 of Acts 13. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. So they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, It was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message, and all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. Verse 50 continues, Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium, and the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Big turnaround there. Yes. You're trying to do the right thing. You think you're doing the right thing, and suddenly there's a dust-up. And not only is there a dust-up, you find yourself feeling quite persecuted by people who simply cannot put their arms around what you have embraced Mm. as the right. When we come back, Jay, let's talk about the way in which Paul is forced out of his box, not just in coping with this rejection and riot and being forced out of town, but with the whole sense of, who are the people of God, and how he sees others who are not like him. We'll be right back. The moon and stars, they went. The morning sun was dead. The Savior of the world was fallen. His body on the cross, his blood poured out for us. The weight of
Barnabas were brothers. They were brothers in Christ, not by blood, but by faith. They shared common ideals. Both of them had been raised as Jews. The Jews of that age saw themselves as a chosen people of God. Uh, their world was framed, their box was framed by a sense of their own anointing, that they were somehow chosen above all others to be the channel of God's will and way in this present world. And they had very little regard for people who were not Jewish. They were not working hard to get other people to convert to Judaism. They, they really saw it as a kind of a bloodline. They were descendants by blood of the flesh from Abraham. And consequently, they felt like they were all that. Now, when Jesus came into this world, he was also born of Jewish stock, and he was a Jew himself. Uh, but Jesus had a way of embracing everyone. And uh, after he returned to heaven, this concept of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, being shared with people outside the Jewish community was kind of a hard sell to the original Jewish believers. And Paul is, is naturally in a camp like that. He's, he's having to learn that the Gentiles, the people who are not Jewish, are also favored by God. And this is a huge sea change in his thinking. And it comes into play right here because he's finding that his own people are the ones most distressed with him. And he's running to embrace and feels like he must uh, extend the grace of God and preach the grace of God to these Gentiles that he once, once despised. And this is where he has to get out of the box. And these are the lessons we have to learn. Let's start at the beginning of the narrative. He's in town. He's in Pisidian Antioch. It's an ancient city. And he's there and he's teaching about Jesus. And he's teaching to people who are, he thinks, going to be most naturally sympathetic to him, his own people. He's gone to the synagogue. It's a Jewish house of worship. And there he's talking about who Jesus is. But when he gets to this idea that the gospel's going outside the Jewish community, people are pretty hot about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, they rise up. I don't know about you, Jay, but for me, getting out of the box usually requires a crisis. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, I, I'm more prone to always want to stay in my comfort zone. It, it's only a crisis that forces me to expand my net. Right. And, and reading the first part of this narrative, Jim, I, the things that jump out at me are when some of the Jews saw the crowds. Now, it could have been the size of the crowds. It could have been the Gentiles that were there. But, but they were jealous. Um, somebody was kind of pushing in on their little party. And, and Paul, someone who was revered for the way he stayed within the Jewish box, is now the one saying, no, 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 no. It means this. It's for everyone. And so they just decided to argue against whatever he said. And boy, is that still true today. People can get comfortable in the church that they're in, in the faith that they're in. And when they hear something that could be true, could be hopeful or inspiring, 
if they don't understand it or they don't like it, they just argue with it. Simple as that. And how many advances in our own personal journeys have occurred when we found ourselves hard and fast against a mob, so to speak? Right. Maybe right. it wasn't a literal mob, but you've got opposition, or you're not able to go forward in the way you thought you could, or the road is blocked, the bridge is out, the, the job is over, the, a page is turned, and, and we're so frustrated, we don't understand why. And yet, as we look back on it, that was the moment when we made a change. That's the moment when we were forced to try something different. And actually, looking back, it was one of the most important things, one of the best things we ever did. As I look at my life, you know, most of the greatest things in my life were not consequent to the roadmap I had made. They were consequent to the map I made being detoured by right. circumstances beyond my control, forcing me onto a different highway. But that highway took me to a better place than the destination I originally had in mind. Jim, I just it just occurs to me that perhaps God knows us well enough that when we are left to uh, making this own road for ourselves, even if we think it's a good road, um, could it just possibly be that it always ends up a little bit self-serving? <laughs> I mean, always the way that we want it and always comfortable, even when it has all the appearances of being um, religious or uh, good works or whatever that might be. I think God knows that without Him stretching us, without Him calling us out of our comfort zone, uh, that we will never grow and we will never get to experience Him the way that He desires. So I think that's just a little bit of uh, my editorial on the human race, I guess. <laughs> it's human nature, absolutely. Right. And uh, I want to give you all a number as you're listening today. This is our toll-free number, 24-7, we're by the phone, and as you're listening to us talk, you may think of an idea, and you maybe have an objection to what we say, or a comment, or a question, or maybe you're thinking, yes, I wish those guys would pray for me. We want to encourage you to give us a call, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'll give you the number at the end of the broadcast, but even now, write it down. We're always glad to hear from you. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more about how this obstacle, this challenge, this riot actually changes Paul and Barnabas in their course, and yet it's going to be a better course than they originally dreamed. In prisoner's chains With bleeding stripes Paul and Silas pray
When I was a young man, it was my ambition, Jay, and you've heard me tell this story, uh, to be in politics. I really wanted to be in politics. I saw it as a noble calling, and it is. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make a difference for the good, and you can. I wanted to be someone who was able to speak into the public square with a kind of righteous voice to get to good outcomes that will benefit the common good. I mean, I had all these kind of high ideals as I was a young man entering into public service. And so my educational career, uh, my career choices, the place where I lived, all of that was determined by this overarching ambition to be in politics. That's what I wanted. I thought it was good. And I want to say it is good. And a calling to public service and government is still today a wonderful calling. I'm not one of those who's, who's cynical to think that only people who are low and base and self-oriented are drawn to that. But having said that, as I pursued that course and actually found myself in government, and I represented Northwest Seattle in the State House for a very brief time as a young man, but you know, my seat was redistricted, they drew new boundaries. I had some conflicts, not knockdown dragouts, but some challenges on the floor of the house where I served. I didn't, I didn't toe the party line, you might say. I, mm -hmm. I cast votes against what my caucus wanted me to vote for on certain moments of conscience where I just felt like I can't do what the party's asking me to do. Even though they were good men and women, they just didn't see it the same way I did. I'm just saying the outcome of all that was trying to do the right thing and pursuing a high and noble ambition and going to town to preach the gospel and, and trying to speak to as many people as I could, for me, ended up in a roadblock. Mm. And so after the new lines were drawn of my legislative district, I was removed from my district. I wasn't voted out. My house just fell into a new district. And I ran again, but in that district, there were always incumbents, already incumbents, and I couldn't get a toehold. And anyway, my, my little career was over. <laughs> now, what I'm just describing is, like Paul and Barnabas, this roadblock, what they imagined when they came to this town, is not unfolding the way they had hoped. Now they're being driven out of town. They're, they're being pushed out, and they're having to come to terms with it. Similarly, I was pushed out of a career track that I had thought was the right one. But I'm sitting here talking to you today, Jay, and mm -hmm. to this radio audience consequent to that moment. Because if that had not happened then, I would not be here. 
right. and a lot of things in my life that I think turned out in healthy ways would never have occurred. And what I guess I see in this story is God is always in the business of stretching us out of our box. Mm. And at so many levels, whether it be a career choice, it might even be a romantic choice where you felt like you were destined for someone and in the end they left you by the curb and you just can't understand it. But maybe there's somebody better out there for you. And you just couldn't understand it until some time and space goes on between your last knockdown drag out in romance and, and, and the new. Or, or maybe it's about where you live or your neighborhood or your house. I mean, there's so many things in life that can stretch us. We gravitate towards the familiar, to the predictable, to the safe, to what we can control. And God has a plan, usually, above and beyond what we can know. So Paul, he finds himself faced with this obstacle, and what's he going to do? Does he curse God about it? Nope. <laughs> he doesn't say, wait a minute, God, this isn't fair. Nope. Uh, no way. I can't believe you're allowing me to do this. What are you doing? Where are you? Maybe there isn't a God. We don't get any of that, do we? Right, right. And in fact, it says, then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly. And declared, you know, they must have been so resolute, so sure uh, in their relationship with God and what God had had them doing and where they were. They just knew. They knew it was going to be hard for some to receive, but they also knew that this is what they were called to do. And yes, it was definitely a twist for Paul uh, to go down this road. But as we read on, as I continue to, to listen to you, I just keep fixating on this verse 49. The end result was the Lord's message spread throughout that region. It went farther afield than it would have otherwise. And Paul even shakes the dust off his feet. I mm. mean, it's kind of a dramatic gesture, isn't it? Yes. But there comes a time in all of our lives, I suppose, where we just have to say, you know what? That chapter is closed. I had to say, that chapter of political engagement for me is closed. Mm. And <laughs> shaking the dust off my feet, let's say, of a political career was the right thing for me. may not be for everyone, but for me it was. And the capacity to understand, a door is closed, but God has opened up another one. And so they met forward. The believers were filled with joy in the midst of all this opposition, all this change-up, and all the drama. There still was a sense, you know, God is working here. Mm. Even though there's so much that doesn't seem to be right, this sense that in our lives, in a broken world where there are so many mess-ups and so many other people around us who may not understand us or get us or we don't feel like we get them, and I mean, there's so many things in life that are always broken. God is in this somehow, some way. If we are faithful, he's going to lead us to where he wants us to be. This is the genius of Paul. Yeah. His whole life after he meets Jesus is about getting out of a box. It's about trusting people he wants sought to persecute. It's about embracing people he once despised. It's about traveling to places he never before could have imagined. It's about learning to share and care for people who are completely framed differently than his own background. It's about going across oceans and continents, about traveling with people he doesn't know and meeting and making new friends. It's about being in jail and being free. Everything about Paul's life with Jesus is out of the box. Mm -hmm. Man, I want to live that way. Yes. And we want you to know that God is working in your life too. If you'll just surrender your life into his hands, as Paul did, he can alter your course. It may not be easy at first, and it may not be comfortable at first, but he can alter your course and take you to places that you can't now see, but that will bless you and fulfill you and give you life. You can take a step that way with us now by joining us in prayer. Just bow your head 
And if you're not driving your car, close your eyes Mm -hmm. and join us as we speak to God, our Father. Father, we're so thankful that you know us by name, every one of us, that you have a plan for us, not one of us here by chance. We know, Lord, the world is broken, and we know that we're broken, and we know, Lord, that there are many things we can't see and don't understand, and, oh, Lord, sometimes we're so distressed when there are obstacles in the way, when there's a riot in front of us, when sometimes we're driven out of the place that we think we should be. But may we never waver in our trust, Lord, that you are leading us step by step. And we thank you, Lord, for the story of Paul and Barnabas. Thank you for spreading the word. Thank you that we are today the beneficiaries of that detour and that we can hear and know because they walked forward boldly, even on a different course. I pray for all who are praying this prayer with us today. I pray that within the next 30 days, they will experience a gesture from heaven to reassure them that God is walking alongside and ahead of them for the good. And we pray in Jesus' name as we surrender our lives to you. Amen. Amen. And so, once more, write this number down. Give us a call. 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We're by the phone. We want to hear from you. But Jay, if someone didn't want to call us up but would prefer to check us out online, where could they go? Easily find us at cbhviewpoint.org. CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope. cbhviewpoint.org, that's who we are. Read about the ministry there. Also, you can send us an email. While you're on our webpage, check out our annual fall retreat at the Billy Graham Training Center at the Cove in North Carolina. I promise you, that's something worth planning for now. Or at the last, if you want, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana 46018, USA. But whether you call us up on the phone, check us out online, or use the post, let us hear from you. Jay Harvey, so glad to be with you on the edge out of the box anywhere. Oh man, this series has been great, and uh, I really appreciate you having me in for parts of it. Thanks for coming alongside, and we thank you also for tuning in. We hope you'll join us again next week, as always. It's our ambition here at Viewpoint to help you see your world from heaven's view. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.